and we welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bally here today to give you the latest in the sporting world. Mitch, it's good to be back. This is our final episode of the 2022 calendar year, man. It's been quite a, a bit few months, and I'm excited to see where 2023 brings us. Our final episode of the calendar year, and it could be, Mitch, our final preview for Ohio State football. Or we'll be lucky enough to preview one more game for Ohio State football, but I know we're going to touch on that later in the show. And we're definitely going to get into the other matchups going on in the playoff as well, as well as the upcoming Week 17 of the football season and uh, much more. Before we go into that, we want to remind you guys, obviously you're here on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts, BigTimeSportsOhio.com, uh, BTS Ohio on Twitter, Big Time Sports Ohio on Facebook or Instagram, and you know everywhere else where you can find us, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Ballas. So Mitch... We go over now to a week where there wasn't a ton of action following uh, the Christmas break over the weekend. We did have a couple of games in the Stark County area, and we had more games in Tuscarawas County as many other schools were actually traveling to uh, a faraway locations to participate in some end-of-the-year tournaments, which is actually very common in uh, the state of Ohio, especially over the last few years. And we actually have some teams doing that right now, Mitch, as we're recording this podcast, there are some teams that are tipping off like the Green Bulldogs at one o'clock today as we record this. Um, some teams playing into Thursday and Friday afternoon, Friday night, a team like Jackson returns home for the first time in over two and a half weeks. So starting to get back in the swing of things here, there were some teams that lost games last weekend because of the huge storm that blew in uh, before Christmas. So some teams are going to be scrambling to reschedule some games, but there were two games in Stark County last night on the boys' side. And so We'll hit you with those really quick. Maslin taking on the Lake Blue Streaks, a teams that were familiar with each other, but on the football field that you and I both got to experience in frigid temperatures. I'm sure it was much more comfortable last night inside in a game that saw the Tigers defeat Lake and the Tigers improved to four and three after a 58 to 51 win on Tuesday night. And you had the Tigers who were led by Elijah Farrington, 16 points and Chris Knight added nine so the Tigers improved to four and three overall, and the Blue Streaks fall to four and five. And Mitch, the Blue Streaks are a team that is very streaky, and that is not a play on words with their nickname, the Blue Streaks. This is a team that we've seen now go toe-to-toe with McKinley in the fieldhouse, knock off Jackson at home, then they lose to Green at home. This is a team that is really not out of the realm of winning the Federal League Championship once Federal League play resumes in 2023. But this is a team that could throw a wrench into things when you look at teams that you would say are better that have already beaten Lake and are probably ranked ahead of them in terms of the federal league standings. So this is a team that we'll have to keep a close eye on and a team that's going to have to keep a very close eye on them is the Glen Oak golden Eagles who moved to eight and O this week after they defeated Olmstead falls 77 to 63 on Tuesday night. Reese Zerger scored 15 points to lead Glen Oak uh, double figures was Kenny Scott with 13 points, Ben Davis, and Ja'Cory Lipkins, who had 12 points. That's a name that we touched on a few weeks ago, Mitch. He left a game due to injury, missed a couple. He is back, his first game back. It's the game winner over Hoban. I think that was a week or so ago. We touched on that in the podcast. And listen, if Ja'Cory Lipkins is healthy, Mitch, this 8-0 Eagles team, it's going to be hard to give them their first loss. Now, they have a mammoth part of the federal league schedule coming up in 23. Yep. They still have to play Jackson twice. They play McKinley again. They play green twice uh, Lake. Their schedule gets tough, but with how they played so far, Mitch, they are clear and far away. The best team in the federal league, obviously 
looking at the record of eight, no, the only undefeated team left in federal league play, both overall and in federal league play. But listen, they took care of business beating Olmstead falls 77 to 63 Olmstead falls falls to three and six. Uh, Michael Kandau had 18 points for Olmstead falls, but Mitch, this is a team we're going to see soon on big time sports. This is a team that we're going to get to cover here as the calendar turns to the new year. The Glen Oak golden Eagles are showing no signs of slowing down. And with Lipkins coming back, they're only getting stronger. Indeed. And you mentioned that eight, no mark uh, for the Eagles now, which is one of the, is tops in the federal league, as well as Stark County among many of the Stark County schools. That's the same uh, record now as the boys over at Malvern high school. Now Malvern had a game against Minerva this week in which they're able to take down the lions 56 to 30 Mitch minor. Once again, proving he is one of the top three point shooters in the conference. And he's standing one of the tallest players in the conference as well, which is an, un- which is, Unless you're a Malvern fan, a huge uh, uh, disadvantage for the rest of the IVC. Now, as far as the rest of the county goes right now, you have the Hornets uh, in first place in the north. You have Buckeye Trail, who in second place, who handed Strasburg their second loss earlier uh, this month. And the Tigers just lost their third game in a row as they traveled to Toronto yesterday to take on Patriot Prep at the the Todd Caladova Showcase. Uh, that was a tough one for Strasburg as I get the final score up here. That was 58 to 51. So the Tigers now dropping to fourth place behind Malvern, Buckeye Trail, and Central Catholic. On the other side, Garraway is still in first, 6 0, 5 0, let behind right behind is Sandy Valley and Tusky Valley. Now on the girls' side, we have Central Catholic in first place, even though the girls lost at Cedar Point earlier this week. They lost to Huron in a close one at the Jingle Bell Jam in Sandusky. uh, Despite Reese Triplett, one of the top players in the conference, scoring 30 points for the Saints, a very solid offensive outing. Matty Farrell had 16 points as well. And the Saints are right ahead of Strasburg right now. Remember, the Saints beat them earlier in the season, so they have the conference advantage, even though Strasburg is still eight and one overall now the highland girls are at six and three in the south they are right ahead of tusky valley highland six and oh and tusky valley is four and oh despite being eight and one to the hawks six and three and we are getting very close mitch in a couple of weeks berlin will be a hub it already was a hub this week when the boys had some action earlier uh in which they fell uh in a conference game as i pull it up here they lost to pickerington north in the first federal holiday showcase which the hawks were four and six now on the season but the girls will be participating in the 2023 classic in the country which will bring many schools from different parts of the country and even some maybe out of the country to participate the classic in the country is one of the best events put on here. And we're so lucky to have it here in the state of Ohio, Mitch. And not only just in terms of talent of teams, but you have some big time players coming from all over the country and some players that maybe we don't get to see here in Northeast Ohio, as, as you mentioned, classic in the country, but other teams in the state come here, some powerhouse schools in both boys and girls basketball, obviously is where we're, is what I'm looking at here too. Thinking back to someone like Taylor Mikesell at Jackson, who, if I'm not mistaken, had a 40 ball in a game like that and which saw Jackson knock off a team they weren't familiar with. It's just so great to see this type of talent on display here and just see what it's like to play teams that are out of your realm of familiarity. 
and it really battle tests some teams as well. And so that's something I'm excited to see. We're going to have a lot to recap when that goes on here in just a couple of weeks, but it is such a great event put on and you know, how fortunate are we to have it, you know, right down the road from us, really. Maslin Jackson will be playing in that tournament again on Sunday, January 15th. That game will be at 640 against start. And of course, Highland will be, be participating in two of those games uh, at 620 p.m. Uh, against Convoy Crestview on Saturday, January 14th. And then on Monday, January 16th, they'll have the 730 game, the uh, showcase finale against Midview. So when we come back, we'll be taking a look more at the professional side of sports, including our week 17 picks and our preview for the college football playoffs. Stay tuned. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best, and at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrin Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. 
The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering Certified Nail Technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Ballin. As we go into our second of three segments today, we now go into week 17 of our NFL pickums. Now we are coming off a week 16 in which, you know, we both did all right. I went nine and seven for the week. The worst out of the group, Mitch went 10 and six and the leader went 11 and five. So we were trying to do better this week. Our strongest performance so far this year was either week 15 where we went 12 and four and 11 and five. I thought there was one week where we absolutely balled out at it, but I guess that was, uh, I guess that was week 15 where, my picks were very, I mean, I was even I was surprised by that. Yours as well. Uh, so well, week, Mitch, 13, week 13, Mitch, you went 12 and two. There was still oh. buys going on, but you went 12 and two in week oh, 13. That's so in the, terms of buys, that's the yeah. best you've done. In terms that's of it. nobody on a buy, it would be this uh, week 15 to your point. And that, and that was the one with the Giants and Commanders tie. So that's yes. the one where we kind of offset. Okay. So now we go into week 17 where we start off with a Thursday night game happening in just a few hours where we have uh, a very unique situation, Mitch. So the Tennessee Titans are playing the Dallas Cowboys. Titans are on a slide right now. They have lost five in a row. They've given up first place in the AFC South to the Jaguars. But next week is their focus, Mitch. This game tonight does not affect Tennessee's playoff picture whatsoever. They're going to sit a number of their starters, it seems, and Dallas will be playing for what I'm assuming is more in this case because they still want to keep in the race with Philadelphia for the right. NFC East. I would think in this case, Dallas is going to have much more hunger in this game. And if they lose this game tonight, there's no reason Jerry Jones lets Mike McCarthy into the facilities on Friday morning. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't think so, but then again, Mitch, you're talking about Jerry Jones. Um, we, he's done a lot of things before that uh, are head scratchers, including letting Amari Cooper come to the rounds for a fifth-round pick, which thank you very much, Jerry. We appreciate it. But yes, if the Cowboys were to lose tonight on Thursday night to the Tennessee Titans, who are resting a number of starters and starting, Mitch, Josh Dobbs at quarterback, yes. former Cleveland Brown Josh Dobbs, over Malik Willis, then this is going to be something else i mean you're talking about a whole 
slew of possibilities you're talking about now it's official the Cowboys would have to go on the road in round one they still have an outside shot to clinch the NFC East in what could potentially be the number one seed if they got some help and maybe then we have the conversation is Sean Payton going to be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys but up until this point I don't think it's going to happen because I don't know how you would fire a coach if they go what is projected to be 13 and four or 14 three I mean we'll have to wait and see that would be insane but across the board, all of us in this pick'em have the Cowboys tonight, Mitch. I don't see how the how on earth the Titans win this game because I don't even with Derrick Henry, he's not going to get the load he usually gets because, like you mentioned, next week is it. It's right. your go home for the Jaguars and Titans, and that is their focus. It's it's a sacrifice game for the Titans to make sure that they can prepare for the winner take all now on Sunday, we have a game matchup here, which doesn't really matter. So I'm going to get it out of the way. Quick Falcons up against uh, the Cardinals. Both teams are pretty bad and they're not going to make the playoffs this year. Both of them have been eliminated. I mean, Cole McCoy is going to come back this week, clearing the concussion protocol. Atlanta hasn't really done anything, anything special this year. I think by safety, I'm going to take the Cardinals because they might just be a shadow of a better, uh, a, a, hair better of a team. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'm just going to ride with the home team here in the Falcons. I'm just going to root for Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. That's fair. That's fair. Um, We also have the bears up against the lions. Now with this, I'm looking at the playoff picture right here. Now would Detroit be officially eliminated uh, if they were to lose against Chicago this week? It is. Yes, they would be officially eliminated unless I believe what would happen is a few teams loss and possibly a tie in there because someone like the Seattle Seahawks own the tiebreaker over the uh, Detroit lions. I almost said tigers, hmm. um, but a loss here is pretty much the nail in the coffin for the Detroit Lions season, but I'm still riding with biting a kneecap. Yeah. I, I, I said last week, I thought the bears bills matchup might be a trap game in Chicago that that did not prove to be the case. I don't think this will be a trap game either. I'm going to go with the lions yeah, I'm going to go with that pretty handily. So then we have the Chiefs up against the, as if I get this thing right here, I lost it for a second, the Broncos, excuse me. Um, I just typed my keyboard six times, Mitch. And if you don't know what letters I typed, then, you know, I I, I don't, I think you well, can guess who I typed. And, and right. And here is why there might be people out there saying, okay, well, the Chiefs are going to win this game, but why are they not resting players? The Chiefs still have a shot to get the number one seat. Yes. They're going to need some help, but they're going to get a big idea of what type of help they need in a game we're going to talk about here later tonight. The Chiefs are still very much alive for the number one seed in the AFC. And a team that wins a certain matchup this week, weekend, will have the driver's seat to get the number one seat unless they slip up in week 18. But I know we're going to preview that game here in a little bit. Yes. So then we have a matchup of the Dolphins taking on the Patriots in a matchup where Two teams in the AFC East. There was a point where we thought that maybe four teams from the East could make the playoffs, and now it seems like it's only going to be one team if the Dolphins keep sliding. And Tua Tagovailoa plays in the concussion protocol, not going to play this week, it seems, and then maybe not for the rest of the year. Does that still make the Dolphins a stronger team than this current Patriots squad at almost full capacity? It's based off what I've seen from the Patriots the past couple of weeks, Mitch, I have to say yes, because I do think Teddy Bridgewater – is a serviceable quarterback. I think he can do exactly what the Dolphins need, and that's just get the ball into Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill's hands. Let the run game get going. The Patriots are down, not out yet, but 
Miami is in a potential clinching scenario. If Miami does win this week, they would then need either a New York Jets loss or tie, and they would be in, or a Miami win plus a, or excuse me, a Miami Dolphins tie against the Patriots mm. plus a New York Jets loss plus a Pittsburgh loss or tie. Mm. We're into the spot now where ties are going to eliminate teams and put teams ahead of each other. At this point in the season, though, Mitch, the teams that are in the playoff race that are in the best spot is just where they control their own destiny. And right now, if you win week 17 and go to week 18 and have a shot, that's exactly what you want. Games in Foxborough, although Fo- although Gillette hasn't been the hardest place for teams to win this year. Uh, I mm, this is going to be I think I'm taking Patriots. Okay. I'll, I'll take the Patriots in this one. Going Fins. Going Fins. Okay, even with that stuff you just said about the Patriots. Okay. That's fair. Uh, we also have the Giants going up against the Colts. Like the Giants could, I think, would still keep themselves alive in this one because the Colts are just kind of out there now. What? They clinch. The Giants clinch. They're in. Yes. They, I'm sorry. They, they win. win. They clinch. Yes. They win. They're in. Or there's other tiebreakers, which there's uh, seven other options for them to get in. But realistically, Mitch, what I just said, you win, control your own destiny. If the Giants beat the Colts, which they should, Mitch, they're in the playoffs. That's... <laughs> That's something else. And then we have the other team, which we'll get to very soon. I, I expect them to win. And then I also expect the other team uh, in the East to pick up a victory as well. Saints and Eagles. Saints coming off the win over the Browns. I, I think the Eagles, even with the loss to Dallas, put some reality back into New Orleans and they'll beat them on their home turf. And the Eagles, who I'm taking here, are in a clinching scenario. If they win, they clinch the NFC East, which means they will be yes. guaranteed a home playoff game. And the Cowboys then will move to the number one wild card spot. And they can clinch home field advantage and the first seed overall with a win this week or a tie plus a Minnesota loss or tie. And I'm not going to keep going down the list there. Basically, the Eagles win this week, which they should. They are the number one seed in the NFC. Mitch, if the Saints somehow win, though, the Saints are still alive for the NFC South unless a certain team wins this weekend. Well, speaking of the NFC South, um, Did I say I was taking Eagles? I'm taking Eagles. Speaking of the South, we have the Panthers taking on the Buccaneers. And maybe two weeks ago, I would have laughed if you'd have thought, if if you'd have said that this game could be a serious decider for who could be the winner of the NFC. But Tampa Bay is seven and eight right now. Carolina is six and nine. It's very possible that Carolina, who's been picking up some kind of surprising wins in the last couple of weeks, Maybe they could upend Tom Brady's season this uh, week and maybe find themselves in first place. That's the most, it's, it's crazy. If you would have said where we were, when we talked about Matt rule being fired and just the fact that they had went from Baker Mayfield to uh, PJ to Sam Darnold, there was no way the Panthers were going to be alive yet. Here we are with Steve Wilkes as the interim head coach and Mitch, if they win this week, they will not have clinched a playoff spot, but they will be in the driver's seat. I think if they win this week in Tampa, Steve Wilkes should have the interim tag taken off and become the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And with me saying that, I'm going to go with keep pounding. I'm going to take the underdog Carolina Panthers Panthers this weekend in Tampa Bay just because I cannot stand Tom Brady, and he is a major reason why I lost last week in fantasy and finished dead last, and I have a huge punishment. Okay. Yeah. You and your, yeah. You and your, what is it? 30 days of, of TikToks. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, Carolina keep like, remember this, 
They beat the Bucks twenty-one to three earlier this yeah. year. Yeah, they made they made that offense look ancient. And but, it, yeah, the thing is, if Tampa wins, it's over. They clinch the NFC South, and then they will officially host. Right. Obviously, depending on other games, which this is going to get crazy. If you're out there watching or listening this week, you can just look this stuff up with yourself. If if I'm not making sense, but if Tampa Bay wins and clinches the NFC South, and the Eagles win, it will be Dallas at Tampa Bay in the Wild Card Weekend round one. Okay, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, you're taking the Panthers. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay is only a three-point favorite. I'm ta- uh, I got to do it. I'm taking Panthers right now. I think they're on more of a roll than Tampa Bay is. I think they'll they'll find themselves in first place. They do have the advantage over the Saints based on uh, win percentage, I believe. But uh, even then, I don't think New Orleans is going to win this week either. So what's the I, difference? I don't either, but... In a world of possibility, if the Panthers win this week and the Saints win this week, Mitch, to my knowledge, next week becomes a winner take all for the division then because the Panthers play the Saints next week, week 18 in New Orleans. There, ooh, there you go. Okay. That's going to be, that would be an interesting one. All right. So then we have another, uh, well, another South team in the AFC. We have the Jaguars who will be facing off with the Texans, you know, Texans coming off that, I mean, kind of surprising win against Tennessee. Jaguars, they've been rolling uh, uh, now in first place in the AFC South. I I would think the Jaguars would be able to get the job done this week. If, if not, then that's a huge blow to their chances. So I will take the Jaguars with the sort of um, thought in the back of my head, like you guys better win this or else that's a really missed opportunity. Yeah, the thing is, though, Mitch, this comes down to next week. This is a game where if the Jags want to rest some players, they very well could. They are still alive uh, in the playoff scenario in terms of the wild card, as is Tennessee. But knowing that you win next week, you're hosting a first-round playoff game, you can kind of err on the side of caution here. I just feel like this is a massive letdown spot for the Houston Texans who are coming off their second one of the season after they took the Cowboys and the Chiefs back-to-back weeks into overtime, I feel like this is a massive letdown spot. They do not want to, you know, get in a spot where they could potentially give up the number one pick. They only have a one-game lead over the Chicago Bears, who have three wins. I do take the Jaguars this week because I think it's a letdown spot for Houston. But if Houston wins, I won't be shocked because I think it is because Jacksonville is taking the Tennessee Titans approach for Week 18. This is an interesting uh, next matchup we have here. The tennis or the New York Jets taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Both teams kind of shaky late in the year. Mm-hmm. New York getting Mike White back under center, replacing Zach Wilson. And you have the Seahawks, who at one point looked particularly strong in the NFC West, even with San Francisco, and then they kind of tailed off. This game right now, the Jets win a tiebreaker over Tennessee right now based on win percentage in common games. And they win a tiebreaker over the Steelers based on best win percentage in conference games. Now, as for the Seahawks, they have a tiebreaker over Detroit on head-to-head. And the divisional tiebreak was initially used to eliminate the Packers. This is one. The Jets are a a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. What does that say about Seattle right now? I think that it says people realize the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks got out to this amazing start and that they're fading fast and that the Jets are a team that 
has played well despite all the quarterback controversy. Zach Wilson yet again starting, which is why I think Seattle has a legitimate shot. But Mitch, I've said it for multiple weeks now, defense travels when we talk about a team like the Cowboys and the Niners that have great defenses, uh, just not apparently it doesn't travel on holidays because Denver's defense did not travel to LA on Christmas. Mm. Um, but I think that's why you're seeing the Jets as a road favorite here in Seattle. And it is why I'm going to take the. No, no, I'm not. I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks, taking the Seattle Seahawks, Geno Smith revenge game. (laughs) Okay. So you're taking the Seahawks uh, and you're editing back the rope back uh, answer that you had in there initially. So you're going to take Seahawks. So we have split choices there. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have split choices for our next one, which is the Packers who kind of got some people's attention again with last week's win over Miami. Now they'll take on division rival Minnesota. That Lambeau effect, man, the Packers are three and a half point favorites at home. And you could probably say that even with Minnesota um, already clinching a playoff spot, you still have some work to do if you want to try and fight for that one spot. Is this a case of like the Packer of the Vikings might take it easy on a couple of their guys for uh, the next for the postseason? or the Packers are kind of starting a role here? I think it's both. I think the Packers are on a roll. I think they understand they control their own destiny. I think the Vikings are in a spot, though, that you have to like. Right now, according to odds, they have a 1% chance to get the number one overall seed in the NFC. Here's the thing, Mitch. I bet you the Vikings this week have a game plan in place because you still want to win every game. I do believe there's a backup game plan. This game is at 425. The Eagles play at one o'clock. Like I mentioned, the Eagles win. They wrap up the one seed and their division, which would mean the Vikings cannot get the one seed and will stay at the two seed. I think if the Eagles win, the Vikings may take it a little bit easy. I don't think you're going to see as many plays to Justin Jefferson because you're talking about the best wide receiver in football this year. If he gets hurt, where do the Vikings go from there? Somebody like TJ Hawkinson, who just had a, a career week last week, For the Minnesota Vikings, I think that you're in a spot now where if the Eagles lose, the Vikings come out and play for that one seed. If the Eagles win in the one o'clock hour, the Vikings might come out, play hard in the first half, and you might see reps scaled back for some players in the second half, which is why I'm taking the Packers here, because the Packers need to win this game to stay alive for a playoff spot. And I can absolutely see Minnesota doing the same next week in Chicago against Chicago. So, I mean, because it wouldn't matter at that point. Uh, So then we have the Chargers, the playoff bound L.A. Chargers, who were able to clinch this past week, they will be playing against the Rams this week in a home road matchup, whatever it is. It's at the same stadium. Chargers are at six and a half point favorites. I mean, I, I can, it's obvious why it's easy for me to take the bolts in this one. I assume it's the same for you. Yeah, it's easy for me to take them here because they are playing for playoff positioning now, which is you know a big thing because in the AFC, you're talking about potentially being the five seed and go, having to go to Tennessee or Jacksonville, who apparently, or not apparently, does look like the weakest team that is going to make the playoffs in the AFC. Um, what I want to know, Mitch, is you always hear whatever team comes into SoFi Stadium generally has more fans. Well, with both LA team teams playing there this weekend, who's going to have the home field advantage in terms of fans? Mm, that's a good question. I mean... <sighs> Rams fans don't travel amazingly, but they definitely travel. I guess not travel, but they definitely fill up more than Charger fans I've seen. I I think the Rams would probably have the the advantage there, but I can't say for certain. Well, it's something we'll have to wait and see. And before we go to the Sunday night and Monday night game, one game that we may have forgotten. Niners and 
Raiders. Yes. And the only reason I bring this up is I think we are all on the same board here of taking the Niners, but the developing story this week. Yes. The Raiders have benched Derek Carr. Mm. They are going to start Jarrett Stidham, who has 61 pass attempts in the NFL in his career. He's never started a game before. And Derek Carr has now taken a leave from the team. He is now yeah. the second quarterback this year, Mitch, that has lost his starting job and has taken a leave. The first one being Marcus Mariota of the Falcons. Now we're talking Derek Carr. Mitch, you have the Niners in here. What do you make of this situation in Vegas? And what do you make of Derek Carr? And will he be back next year? I mean, the, the Raiders are already eliminated, I believe, from yeah. the... No, they're not, actually. I apologize. They oh. are at six and nine. And they win a tiebreaker over the Browns based on best win percentage. So, but the Browns are eliminated. So that's their, that. Their might playoff, be. playoff chances are at zero point eight percent. They have yeah. Okay. So so, <sighs> Derek Carr has not been amazing this year. I'll admit that. But he has at least in turnovers, fourteen interceptions. But he's at least been Derek Carr for the last decade has been maybe the most consistent thing in an inconsistent organization. People, 100%. even people around here. Most, mo- I don't, I, don't, I want to hear your takes on this. Most dysfunctional organizations in the NFL in terms of the last decade. Washington's number one. I think you can make an argument that number two is a fight between the Raiders and the Browns. Everyone would, you might think, oh, Browns immediately number two. Oh, you know, the, all the head coaches and all, all the players, you know, doing this. And they showed some graphic stuff uh, in their practice facility, even though that I don't know if that was true or not. The Raiders have had some really wild stuff, even just the last three or four seasons. The Raiders are the second most dysfunctional franchise. Oh, there you go. Okay. Because the Browns have sucked. There's no, we both know that we're fans. The Browns sucked on purpose for a while though, Mitch, they tanked on purpose to get the number one draft pick. They sold draft picks high to get and accumulate other, other draft picks and watch the likes of, we eventually took Denzel Ward fourth overall the Raiders, Mitch, have cut their first-round draft pick, I believe, since 2017 up until this year. They have lost players due to legal issues. They have had players that can't stay healthy on the field. They have players, like I said, legal issues that we're not going to get into specifics. You obviously know the story about Henry Ruggs. You have Damon Arnett from Ohio State, where it has now come out that he was you know, wrongfully accused of something after going through the court of law. Mm-hmm. You have other players with substance abuse issues. You have a coach that potentially Mitch was just the worst type of person, according to reports in John Gruden. This is a franchise that can't fire their head coach and Josh McDaniels because they don't have enough money to pay him. If they fire him, that is a bad franchise. There's a difference between losing and being an awful franchise. The, the Raiders have a playoff win, which we saw last year, or I'm sorry, not a playoff win, a playoff appearance in which we saw last year when they lost the Bengals. This is a franchise that cannot get out of their own way. They are by far the second worst franchise behind Washington in the last decade. And I've the only bright spot they've had has been Derek Carr. Mitch, we've seen quarterbacks across the NFL have bad years. He's having a bad year. But what's going to happen when they trade the most stable thing in that organization? Because it looks like that's what's going to happen. They're going, they just signed him to an extension last season. Mm-hmm. They traded for his best friend and college teammate, Devontae Adams. It has not worked out to how they would have liked it. If he if they trade him, is Devontae Adams going to demand a trade? Is he going to tell him he has to be a package deal? I mean, you're talking about taking a top five wide receiver in football, a top 20 quarterback in the NFL and Derek Carr. I've never, I've never thought he's a top 10 quarterback. I don't think he's ever been close. And 
restarting all over again with a coach who's done nothing but mess up all year? I mean, there was the uh, the statement from Adams yesterday in response to uh, cars being out as, as quarterback. Uh, he, he made it known that he's the reason why he came to the Raiders. And if you're taking that reason away from him, what is he going to, what is he going to do here? He had the whole incident a few months ago with the, the cameraman. And then this whole team has just been not been able to perform as well. A lot of late season losses. It's tough. It's a tough situation. And I was going to add to that. I don't know if this, this is not going to sound, this doesn't sound as right in my mind as I'm trying to make it out. The, what adds to me, the Raiders dysfunction is that despite all the circus going on, they still find ways to win, even when it's not, they're not expected to. So, to me, that adds to the hysteria because if the Browns are dysfunctional and lose, it's like, yeah, because you're dysfunctional when the Raiders are doing it. It almost feels like it's this weird phenomenon that's going on in the in a city like of all places, Las Vegas, where you're just not sure how these odds are stacked against the Raiders. And yet they still pull out these victories and also pull, somehow pull out these losses. I don't know. It's just a weird thing for me and we've gone too long about this sort of topic so i'm taking that's a long way of us saying we're taking the niners this week because they're obviously the better team i'm with you all right yeah so thank if you if you were able to listen in on that folks for the whole thing we thank you for it and we also apologize for it we also now go over to uh some actual decent teams the ravens up against the steelers sunday night lamar jackson did not practice wednesday and is he still questionable for this week? Steelers, not officially out of it yet. Doesn't look like it, they're basically playing for a non-losing record, which would be the first time since 2003 that that's ever happened to them. I believe the first time uh, since the pre-Roethlisberger era. So mm-hmm. with that, do the Ravens hand uh, Steelers sub 500 Sunday? No, they don't. The Steelers mm. win Sunday. The Steelers have Mike Tomlin, and he has taken a team that is not very talented and gotten them to play their style of football. He does what it takes to win games as a coach. And the Steelers are going to beat the Ravens Sunday night and push it to next Sunday when the Browns come into town, and which could be a win and get in scenario for the Steelers, depending on what happens in the AFC this week, or it could be a win and wait for some help. But I'm taking the Steelers on Sunday night football against the Baltimore Ravens. I can't remember if I mentioned on this podcast or on the radio that the Ravens offense in the last month has averaged around like 17 points per game and has not been very effective. The Steelers in their last five games have given up, the defense has given up these point totals, 17, 16, 16, 16, 10. And granted, those are against the likes of uh, Vegas and Carolina, Atlanta, and Indianapolis. And then that one loss, by the way, 16 to 14 was to the Ravens on their home turf. So Baltimore will have the home advantage here. I, I disagree. I think the Ravens are going to take be able to etch out a win because Pittsburgh's offense isn't that much better than the Ravens are right now. I hear you there. I do. And I think this is going to be a very good game. I'm happy this got flexed into prime time. Because there's there's a lot to play for here. The Ravens are still alive for the division. The Ravens need to win this week and then hope the Bengals slip up and watch is the marquee game of the weekend on Monday Night Football as we're going to transition there. But I'm going to be the lone wolf and take the Steelers this week. But this next game, Mitch, oh my goodness. Are we, did, 
at all the games we talked about last week when I said how bad are some of these games where the NFL thought these teams were going to be great and Ooh. it turns out they suck and some of these mm. teams the Jets and Jags last Thursday night we thought that was just a throwaway game and here there was a lot to play for they got it right week 17 here we are division on the line for one team the number one seed on the line for both teams the Bills at the Bengals one point differential right now the Bills have that slight advantage even though Cincinnati is hosting that's a game to watch Cincinnati has been rolling as of late Buffalo has remained dominant uh in the AFC and they could easily oh they mm, this could be if, if everything goes the way we want it to it could be game of the year even more so than the likes of Colts and Vikings a few weeks ago or a couple games uh, even before that uh this one I mm, I predict that Burrow doesn't have his – by the time Joe Burrow retires, this won't be his career game. This will be maybe one of his top ten games, and I think I'm going to take Bengals over the Bills. Yeah, I'm going to rock with you. I'm taking the Bengals. They're the hottest team in the AFC right now. And so what that does then is if the Bengals win this week, hmm? they're in the driver's seat to get the number one seed in the AFC because they would then have the head-to-head over Buffalo, and they would then have the head-to-head over Kansas City. Well, wait, if Kansas City wins this week, then they would be 13 and three compared oh, to Cincinnati's yeah, right. 12 and four. I definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. skip that line. On the flip side, if Buffalo wins, it's wrapped up. Buffalo will clinch home field advantage in the AFC's lone first round bye with a win and a Kansas City Chiefs loss. But realistically, if the Bills win this week, I don't see how they lose next week. But the Bengals, Mitch, are the hottest team in the AFC. And I think this is a preview of the AFC championship game. That would be nice, and it's kind of funny to see how the Chiefs' three losses this year, it's the two of those teams already, Buffalo and Cincinnati, which makes them really, really hate the fact that they were to let that game slip against the Colts early on in the season. And, uh, yeah, so then we go over now to our final game where it's almost meaningless except for uh, the other team. That's the Browns up against the Commanders in Washington. And the, the commanders are still fighting for the last playoff spot in the NFC, along with Seattle, uh, Detroit, and Green Bay. This, this is hard because, look, Washington's not playing great right now. Carson Wentz is back in the starter's role. I'm surprised by that a little bit. Like, do you even think with this game that the Browns are just going to let it slip like you have so all the, throughout this season. I'm taking the Browns to win this game because they're the better team. At least I think they are. I think Ron Vera is a better football coach in terms of just getting his team prepared to win games. Sure. Washington has a 22.4% chance to make the playoffs. They can clinch this weekend with a win over the Browns, a Seahawks loss to the Jets, a Lions loss to the Bears, and a Packers loss or tie to the Vikings. So a lot has to happen there. If they win, they still have another week to potentially help their case. I I, uh, I hate to say it, and I can't believe we're going to have a week where this is going to happen, where you take the one side and I'm going to take the other. I, I think because of what you just said, the preparation, I have to go Washington, and I really don't like that I'm doing that. It's very hard for a team late in the year to – get amped to win a game when there's nothing on the line anymore, unless a team who's still fighting for something 
completely slips up. And if Washington does that, then the Browns have a chance. But the but the but the Commanders are still fighting for a postseason chance. They're trying to make something of their year to get back into the playoffs. And I don't know. I I, I think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think Deshaun Watson will keep adjusting more and more back into the game. But I could see that a couple of key mistakes being the deciding factors Sunday. And I can see it too. I ultimately think I'm taking the Browns here because Carson Wentz is starting the quarterback. I think that's really why I'm going with Washington. At the same time, Mitch, I am a very upset Browns fan. I have a lot of anger towards a lot of people in that building in Berea. One, including Paul D. Podesta. And we're not even going to talk about the report that came out this week. But what I will talk about with Paul D. Podesta is this is a player, or I'm sorry, not a player. This is a person that has been here for years and was here the year Carson Wentz came out in the NFL draft. Yes. And he told the Browns not to take Carson Wentz because he would never be a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. Well, his first two years, he looked like he would be. Right. Since then, he is not. Yes. Obviously, I want to see the Browns. I do think it would be pretty funny if the commanders beat the Browns this weekend mm. and Carson Wentz yeah. has himself a day yeah. just to throw it in Paul D. Podesta's face, who I am now pinning all the blame on for the Browns being where they're at. That's just where I'm at. I, if, if the Browns are going to lose this game, I hope Carson Wentz throws for 300 plus yards. Looks like the MVP front runner. He was when they were 11 and two, the year they won the Super Bowl before it tore his ACL. That's just where I'm at right now as a Browns fan. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm aware of what you're referring to. I cannot confirm. I, I cannot confirm personally whether or not it is true because it is a report. Um, I think that would only be funnier if the Washington was able to make a surprising playoff run like Philly was able to do without Wentz uh, that year. Um, but that's those are our takes. It's your takes and mine. We'll see what happens come uh, next week, which will be the final week of the regular season. And uh, we'll be right back after uh, what hopefully will be a slightly shorter segment than this one. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. 
Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter too all care all We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best, and at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. And before we get into our final segment, we did have uh, a bit of breaking news surface just a few minutes ago. Some sad news uh, from the sporting world. One of the legendary athletes of not just our lifetime, but many other lifetimes, I'm sure before that, uh, we, uh, we have suffered a great loss. 
Uh, it has been reported that Pele, one of the all-time great soccer players, uh, has passed away at the age of 82. It had been reported in the last few weeks that he was uh, uh, un under medical care for... Uh, and it, it's an unfortunate loss. I mean, Mitch, this is a guy who... When you've heard the term the beautiful game in association football, this is the name that many people associated that phrase to. One of the all-time great players for Santos, uh, the club team, as well as the Brazilian national team, uh, was able to win three World Cup championships. We just saw uh, Lionel Messi win his first championship with Argentina. This guy was able to win three uh, with his home country in 1958, 1962, and 1970, the only player to take home three cups, uh, considered the all-time top goal scorer in Santos history, and uh, was voted one of the most influential athletes uh, of the entire last century, I believe. Yes, he was listed uh, as the athlete of the century by the International Olympic Committee in 1999. He is an icon both in terms of his play on the field and then off the field. Uh, you don't talk about soccer without mentioning his name. And it's, you know, it's sad to see at the age of 82, um, which as reported colon cancer. And like you mentioned, three time world cup winner, which I, I just look at that right there, Mitch, nobody's ever done that. It's hard to believe anybody ever will with where the sport is at today and the amount of talent, there is for every single country that is now playing. Um, it is, it's all, it's awful to see because he is one of the most influential athletes of all time, both when he was playing. And then since he has played, he had been such a great ambassador for the sport um, of soccer or football. If that's how you refer to it. So I'm glad that we were able to communicate that and, you know, make sure we talked about it today on the podcast as it just came out while we were recording, but um, an absolute legend that is, that is gone, but he will, Mitch, when I say this, I mean it. Never be forgotten in the sport of soccer or what he did after as a soccer player. I mean, you can have the argument all the time, and I know I said it after Argentina won that I thought Messi's the GOAT just because of what he's done, but it's Pele and then Messi. Like, But Pele has to be there because at the same time, as great of a soccer player as Messi is, you look at what Pele did outside of soccer, and he's just the all-time great. Oh no, there is yeah, there is no Messi, there is no Ronaldo, there is no David Beckham, there is none of these guys without uh somebody like Pele uh helping bring uh, a game that was already widespread internationally, especially become worldwide or especially around here, even uh so much as coming to play for the New York Cosmos, which were an American-based team in the 1970s. So uh from big time sports, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Pele and his family and it's again one of the unfortunate losses that you know when we go through our lifetime Mitch we're gonna unfortunately lose many more athletes hopefully not for a long time but uh, this is an unfortunate case today so we're hopefully gonna try and smoothly transition over now to our uh, final topic of the day which is uh, thankfully a little bit lighter it's the upcoming college football playoff which is between uh the final four teams for the of course the uh, trophy we have michigan and tcu facing off as well as ohio state playing against georgia didn't think this would be happening a couple of weeks ago mitch we've gone through uh an embarrassing loss in columbus we saw a couple of teams fall apart in their conference championship week 
and through the controversy of why should a team that didn't even play in the championship game uh, get in against a team who actually made it? Well, it's because your team lost. That being said, Ohio State got a big, big task ahead of them, and that's just against the top-ranked Bulldogs who have looked like the strongest team in the strongest conference the entire year. And then it's likely you would have to face off against a team that put you on the floor and didn't let you up in your back in your own backyard in what will be a championship matchup. I'm with you after what we saw in Columbus a few weeks ago, it did not seem like this was possible, but obviously USC losing to Utah in the PAC 12 championship game made this possible. Where to start Ohio state has a chance. They absolutely have a chance. And I like that nobody really is giving them a chance because this is almost reminiscent of the 2014 college football playoff, which is the first one in which Ohio State was the four seed and played Bama, who everybody had just already announced, you know, just gave the championship to. And that is when we saw Cardale Jones and Ezekiel Elliott, you know, burst on to the scene in the college football playoff. Ohio State was manhandled. They were out just physically outmatched against Michigan. And now you're talking about Michigan on steroids in terms of physicality. Mm. You look what they did to Michigan last year. Now Georgia's team this year, I, I believe is weaker than last year's team that won the national championship. That team last year for Georgia, Mitch was basically an NFL team. Uh, and it's why they had so many players get drafted in the first few rounds of the draft. What seven and a half point spread Saturday night, the peach bowl. I'm going to be watching it. I think Ohio State has a chance because I don't think Georgia's secondary has even been tested in the slightest in terms of the quarterback play they're going to see from C.J. Stroud and the wide receivers in Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka, just to name the first two. I don't think Georgia has seen anything like that, but I don't think Ohio State's offensive line has seen anything like Georgia's defensive line. And so it's all going to come down, basically, like every football game comes down to, battle the trenches. Ohio State has heard the noise since they lost to Michigan. Ryan Day's admitted it. C.J. Stroud has admitted it. All the players have admitted it. They've heard the noise. They were left for dead. They thought they were dead. And Mitch, they pretty much were. They had to get help to get in, have a, a shot to, you know, live again. And this is just such a monumental game for the program. Not, not just for the season. It's for Ryan Day. This is for C.J. Stroud, who has already come out and said, you know, he wants to be remembered as an all-time great and doesn't think he will because he's never beaten Michigan or won a Big Ten championship. If Ohio State gets blown out, I think you enter the next season. Not that I really want to be there now that time has passed, but I think you enter next season after a blowout with Ryan Day on the hot seat, knowing that if you lose to Michigan again, he's probably gone. And... You've already seen the effect of what happens if you lose to Michigan. The recruiting rankings have went down. You've had players decommit and go elsewhere. If Ohio State is to get blown out by Georgia, Mitch, I think this is just a killer to the Ohio State football program and where they were, and they might be around the spot that Clemson's kind of in now. From They're still going to be recognized, obviously. It's one of the top names in the country, but maybe not this, this powerhouse that we've seen for years. However... I think Ohio State does keep it close. And I think it ultimately comes down to can CJ Stroud not have the one or two blunders that we are so accustomed to seeing him have every single game. And can the linebackers, specifically Steel Chambers, take care of Brock Bowers? If they can take care of Georgia's tight ends that look like semi trucks on the field, 
I think Ohio State has a very, very, very great opportunity to win this game. And I'm not going to mention who I think they're going to play next round as much as it would be awesome to see them play Michigan in a rematch. And as terrified as I would be because I don't want to lose them in the national championship, you have to win this game first. And I got to hear what you think about it before I give you my honest prediction. Well, I was going to touch on a couple of things. First of all, you mentioned those tight ends, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, or uh, like uh, refrigerators out there with arms and legs. Uh, Bowers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically you also have, uh, I mean, Bowers has uh, the lead in receiving yards uh, for Georgia with 726, six touchdowns. uh, And then you got Washington who was built at six foot seven, 270 pounds. And he's dwarfed by a guy that I'll get to later on. Uh, And I was actually reading ESPN plus's uh, um, rundown of the keys for each team in the champ in the next uh, coming game. Uh, and, And there was a quote I believe from one of Georgia's staff that I unfortunately can't get the name of right now. Uh, he referenced Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, the tight end combo for the new England Patriots. So that's kind of the ma- matchup that I'm like, okay, I'm seeing this guy on one end, seeing this guy on the other side. That's tough. Even for this, this Ohio state secondary that can be good at times and can be really rough at others. Like we saw against Michigan, you know, my big thing too is with Georgia's defense, which is just tops among college football. They, this team gets the job done mm-hmm. defensively. Stopping a guy like Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter is six foot four and 300 pounds. He's the guy that makes Washington look small. He, I mean, he was a guy who was able to kind of build himself up as a potential number one pick in this uh, upcoming NFL draft. And he's a guy that he's going to be looming over this middle part of the offensive line for Ohio state that at times can get Stroud a little panicky, especially if Stroud doesn't opt for the uh, run in comparison to just trying to find uh, a quick pass. Yeah. And that's, I think what you just mentioned is when Stroud gets panicky, he tends to force throws and not make the best plays. And that's where I feel like I'm just beating a drum that can't be beaten anymore is will he finally use his legs? Will he finally, when pressure comes, get outside the pocket and make a play happen with his legs? Like we have seen Mitch practically our entire lifetime. And if not our entire lifetime, since 2005 and six with Troy Smith, every Ohio state quarterback do get outside, use your legs to pick up first downs. I mean, Mitch, the biggest slap in the face is according to sports books, the over under rushing yard total for CJ Stroud this week, one and a half yards. Hmm. That's how much Vegas knows he does not like to run. He doesn't want to run. He's obviously been famously quoted saying, if I wanted to run, I'd be a running back. I'm a quarterback. If he does that though, I think Ohio state has a shot because if he can make plays with his legs and allow his wide receivers to get open down the field, they're going to have a a really strong possibility because like I mentioned, Georgia's secondary hasn't been tested. And if they try to double one of the two Ohio state wide receivers, the other one's going to be open. These are guys that, that that's the luxury you have in a and Harrison Jr., not to mention someone like Julian Fleming, is if you double one, wide receiver two, really 1B, is going to be open, and I will take the wide receivers for Ohio State in one-on-one coverage any day of the week right now. It's can the Ohio State offensive line hold up? And I think that they've heard so much trash talk about how bad the line play has been. I think that I've, I would be shocked if they don't come out after the past month they've had to prepare and look 
like an Ohio State offensive line that we've seen in years past, especially the one we saw in the Sugar Bowl and the national championship in 2014. Yeah, and to be fair, the Ohio State is a better pass blocking team than they are run blocking. And I'm not saying that Stroud has to turn into a guy like Terrell Pryor or Braxton Miller mm-hmm. and just take multiple chances past the line of scrimmage. And even Ohio State in the running back game isn't going to be as active. I mean, Trayvon Henderson's not going to play. Mayan Williams is going to play, it looks like. He's been sick. He's been sick. Yes. So I don't necessarily think that Ohio State's run game is going to be so big a factor as it is the passing game, obviously, because Stroud is still one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. You know, but even with some of the flaws, I've seen many Ohio State fans, yourself included, uh, kind of throw out there for the season. Some some definitely warranted for sure, especially after that Michigan game. It's if he can make those, it's kind of like what happened in the Clemson game with Justin Fields two years ago. If he can make those big plays, yep. like Fields was able to do to, to Olave and Garrett Wilson, can he do the same thing to Harrison Jr., who uh, to Ibuka, to any other of the targets he has? That could be such a huge difference, especially early on. If Ohio State can't get out early strong, coming back in this game is going to be such a difficult task that I don't think they can overcome. I completely agree. And that's why I think if they get the ball first, they have to score. Even a field goal at first would be huge for Ohio state in terms of this game. Mitch, the over under set at 62, right? These teams, I have it right here. Ohio state averages 45, 44 and a half points a game. Georgia averages 39. Yeah. I think in order to beat a team like Georgia, and we've seen it a couple of times in the NFL this year and other teams in college football. You just have to chew up the clock. And if Ohio State can establish a run game, even though the running back room might be depleted if Maya Williams is not 100% after battling an illness, sure. and can chew up clock and not let Georgia get the ball or make Georgia score, if they're going to score, make them you know, 10 to 13 play drives instead of three, three plays and it's a touchdown. I think Ohio State has a really good shot. But if they try to get into a... a a shootout in which it's going to have to be passing and Georgia can pin their ears back and just rush the quarterback. I think that's where this gets out of hand. I think that's where Georgia would put this game away. Potentially. I think Ohio state does cover the six and a half. I don't know if I can sit here as an Ohio state fan though, confidently and tell you they're going to beat Georgia. No, I agree. I agree. And it's, and my big thing, especially with this game too, is that I just want Ohio state to keep themselves under control over the middle defensively. If Stetson mm-hmm. Bennett gets enough chances in play action to find a receiver over the middle and there might be a one-on-one with a safety for Ohio state when which the receiver beats him, that could spell huge trouble for the Buckeyes. And again, I'm, I'm with you. I think Ohio state at least keep it respectable. Let me ask you a question. What do you think would okay. be more tougher to swallow a loss to Georgia in this game? Let's say by two or three touchdowns or, or a second loss to Michigan in the national championship. Oh, I, I, no, no, nope, nope. I will, I will, I will take getting beat by 40 by Georgia before I would say I could handle losing to Michigan in the national championship. Okay. I, I, I could not handle that. Cause I, cause I remember you saying that if you get embarrassed by Georgia, Ryan day goes into the hot seat and then Ohio state kind of goes into the off season. Cause even now Ohio state, even though they're in the playoff, it, it, it seems, according to re- in reports that we've heard, seen that we have come in floating around, it's almost like there's an identity crisis with the program right now, where it's yeah. like, w- what has happened to this team? What has happened to our coaching staff? But at the same time, 
they have this opportunity to calm the nerves of, again, a fan base that has been treated very, 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 very well for the last two plus decades. And 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 they've earned that. The players and coaches have have earned that wave of success in that way, in that sense. But it also is the case of at the same time, oh, thank God for playoff expansion coming soon because I, I don't necessarily think we're gonna be like top three school in the next right. few years, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna be come like a Texas or a Miami of Florida. So let me ask you this question. Sure. If Ohio State wins and plays Michigan in the national championship and Ohio state were to lose is Ryan day fired. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, it also depends on the game. If you get blown out again, then I can, I wouldn't expect it, but I can maybe hear a case for him to be let go. But if he were to keep it close and just lose on a close one, the team at least had some fight compared to where they were about a month and a half ago. And then you can keep building on that going into next season, even though Michigan will now have superseded you as the top big 10 school. I think he would get fired. And if he didn't get fired, I think he would leave for an NFL job. That's where I'm at. That could be I, I think, I think Ryan day would absolutely leave Ohio state. If they were to lose to Michigan in the national championship for an NFL job. So we're both on Georgia. We'll keep this one quick. TCU, Michigan, Michigan, six and a half point favorite. It's hard for me not to take them. I like Seven, TCU. I like what TCU has been able to do. They fought their way into this playoff. They were able to fight in the big 10, 12 title game, despite losing. Um, But it's kind of like last year with Alabama and uh, was it Alabama and Cincinnati last year, or was it uh, Alabama, Cincinnati and Michigan? Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama, Cincinnati. It was like, great to see them. You're just not quite there i know the big 12 is kind of different from uh, uh cincinnati's division but it's like is it i mean some people think is it really it, it, it is but yeah i just don't see the horn for, unless they their offense completely balls out in this game i don't see it happening so you are taking i'm taking michigan who was on crack no way thank you steven you're a. not you're uh, not gonna take no tcu way. i'm taking tcu I'm taking oh TCU. you're full of, you're, TCU. no just I'm never no. gonna pick. I'm never gonna pick the Wolverines to win a football game. Uh, I always lose every single game. I'm taking the Horned Frogs. I'm taking Duggan. I'm taking a team that nobody has believed in all season. I heard somebody today saying that if Kansas State would have just had their second string quarterback in the first matchup this year, TC wouldn't have made it. Well, guess what? They're here. Sonny Dykes keeps talking about how they keep being doubted. Give me the Horned Frogs. Oh, you are just, you are just, just hamming it up here. This is, this is great. I got to find some more Ohio State stuff that I have here, but I don't have enough time to do that. And we don't have much time left here on the big time sports podcast show. So thank you guys for listening as I stack all my stuff back up here. And as Mitch gets his final fact of the day, ready to go. Final fact of the year, by the way, uh, just a reminder, find us on uh, here on YouTube, like subscribe at the bell, all the podcast platforms I mentioned earlier, big time sports, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram on Big Time Sports, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Ballot. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Since it is the last fact of the year, Mitch, we're going to do some breaking news. It's sure. a reminder that you must do it responsibly, but effective Sunday, January 1st, 2023, sports gambling is legalized in the state of Ohio. I'm sure that is going to be a lot of fun for a lot of us out there. Make sure you do it responsibly. Obviously, it can become a major problem if you get addicted. Yep. Uh, we'll be, we'll, be make, we'll make sure to you know give out that number, but it is something I look forward to talking about here now that it will be legalized in Ohio. And I cannot wait 
to finally bet legally in the state. I'm so excited and I can't wait to hit a parlay for like a dollar that wins me like 400 K. Well, I'm happy for, I'm happy for all you guys who, I mean, I, I I've never even out, out of state. I've never betted on sports in my life, mainly because I just, I, I have really struggles as to how that whole system works. And, you know, with my luck, I'm just going to lose every single time, but I'm very happy to see that many people are going to get the opportunity to do so. And uh, we're happy that you have been able to, if, you, if you've been able to stick with us for the whole year, we thank you so much. And we hope you stay with us through the 2023 calendar year. So thanks so much for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. See you next year. <laughs>